0: Ryan Open Science Podcast. I'm Zoe Ingram. And I'm Emma Harris. And today we're broadcasting to you from Porto in Portugal. So we are here in Porto by the river and we've just been at a very interesting discussion about Plan S and open access at the Open Science Fair conference. And we're talking today to one of the keynote speakers whose keynote was one of the best I've heard in a long time. Would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Yes, my name is Paola. Um, I'm Italian. I live in Belgium for many years now. I'm an open knowledge evangelist and advocate uh, and I love open science. Amazing, I love that introduction.
0: Um, Could you tell us, you said on Twitter that you wanted to shift the conversation about open science. Could you expand on that?
1: So when when I was asked about joining this conference and giving a keynote uh, talk, uh, I thought, okay, I can talk about open science and uh, how you do it, uh, what it means for society, what it means for researchers from a practical point of view, uh, what we have done in the past even decade. Then I thought, heck no, we've been talking about the same thing all over and over and over again. It comes from me, I mean, I'm I'm a relatively young <laughs> researcher, so even for me, I'm already sick and tired of all the stuff we've been talking about. So I thought we really need to focus the attention on, on topics that we're not discussing enough. So when I really thought to shift the conversation, what I had in mind was to talk uh, more about what doesn't work and the way why it doesn't work, because I would like actually for people to stress some more other stuff that, it's, that are relevant in uh, academic research and not only. Um, so basically the, the thing that I really wanted to move away from was this research excellence that we have been talking about um, in Europe, but not all in Europe for a very long time now, which is, you know, kind of a holy uh, grail of science. and Nobody knows exactly what it is. Uh, But I really realize that it's really something we have come up with uh, to avoid an otherwise very difficult conversation that we should be having. And the conversation should be, what does it mean to do good science? What does it mean to do reliable science, reliable research? And how we can make sure that we are training uh, researchers and scientists uh, to do the things in a fair way. Also, shifting the conversation uh, from um, open science to inclusive science, Um, this is something that I believe, uh, unfortunately, came back again now at this last panel discussion around the Plan S and open access. The moment we keep talking about uh, APCs and transformative agreements and money, bottom line, really just money, we're not being inclusive enough. And that, to me, is really not the spirit of open science. So...
0: I found the panel somewhat frustrating um, because I felt like... Um, so we did an interview with Bjorn Brems, and he's... I, I think you... you um, I know him. Yeah. You know him, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he, he's kind of like, why we why why do we even have journals? We could do this all ourselves mm-hmm. for a fraction of the cost. And um, I think some people were saying that, um, but other people I felt were kind of going around in circles and being trapped in this idea that we have to include the journals we have to have journals um, I'm guessing you stand
1: on kind of Beyond Brems' end of the scale? Absolutely yes um, you know uh, what? what's frustrated me the most in this uh, uh, panel is that okay yeah we talked a lot about money it's you know we opened the, the, the panel discussion with saying it's not about cost but yeah actually it is about cost huh? bottom line um, but also nothing like open repositories and preprint servers were mentioned uh, that this and, and innovative publishing models that we have up and running and cool projects from young uh, researchers that want to invest into this type of uh, innovative way of communicating and disseminating uh, scientific outputs none of this was mentioned so once again uh, we are you know not hearing uh, the voices that are already out there and we are focusing on uh, names and organizations that have to exist because of the European context, because also of the political agenda of the European Commission. So you see, if I could choose right now, I would say, yeah, there was this this question somebody asked a couple of days ago, how are we going to make sure that Open Science is sustainable? I only have an answer for that. We close all the subscription to all the journals and we do it right now. Altogether, we could get rid of journals, actually. We, we leave preprints, prints and uh, pre- and post-review open peer review and pre- and post-publication open peer review. We could do it uh, very well and use uh, what seems to be an enormous amount of money for uh, much better stuff.
0: Scientists do all the work of journals. They're the editors, they're the peer reviewers and they're the authors. What,
1: and then we pay for yeah, what? Yeah, but it's, it's true what uh, I think Inge, or I don't remember who was mentioning, uh, uh, you know, they're not, it's not even about publishing anymore, these are data companies, right? They do analytics uh, services uh, and sometimes, even without taking too much into account conflict of interest, uh, they also try to take part into, you know, they want to have their say in uh, policy, in the statements. Uh, there are some uh, grey and fishy things going on there that uh, I think it's a public scandal. I think somebody should have called for a public scandal. Somebody way bigger and way more important than me, of course. (laughs) Already a long time ago. For us, yeah. No,
0: I mean, it is. It's the use of public money, of taxpayer money for profit. In any other situation, that would be considered, you know, borderline fraud. And yet it was accepted.
1: So yesterday evening, I did not join the social dinner. I had to meet a friend coming from Lisbon on his way to Italy. Uh So we went out for dinner and he was telling me, he was asking me, how are you in Porto? So, you know, somebody who's not even in science, does something completely different in his life. I was explaining him the old business, the old thing. And then he goes, so you're telling me if I now go home and I look for a scientific article that I'm paying with my taxes, I can't read it. That is what I'm telling you. What? (laughs) And then he was asking me, okay, but yeah, you do peer review. How much do you get paid to do peer review? Zero guy just looks at me and he goes hey this 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 thing is completely banana I can't follow this anymore this doesn't make any sense at all so I was really thinking how how much how many of the people in society actually know how how bad that this is yeah yeah Should I you think start talking with people outside of academia exactly I mean
0: um there's a an account called um uh, please excuse the, the language but shit academics say oh absolutely I love, I love that. that I love yeah, it right? I love that. and um but one of them So they retweeted someone and it was like, what do people outside of your career not know? And it's that, you know, we, exactly what you're saying, that there's all this information and we have no rights over it. We sign away our rights and we do it all for free and then we pay again for it. We pay to read it, we pay to publish it. I think also
2: it's... um if you have to pay for it to read it you also maybe don't feel that it's something that is valuable for you to read or you even are able to read it it's like this this publishing system makes it that society also has no interest in looking at scientific things because if you don't have a subscription you know the paywall they're so expensive you want to read one single article it's like 48 euros you know yeah yeah and i yeah. think it's like oh okay no and i actually probably can't even understand it so it's uh it's this whole idea of bringing science to society alone just from this is uh, yeah. really problematic. Um,
1: I also believe that it's super important for this type of awareness not only um, to be spread in the society, among citizens for example, but also in students at university. You start you start your academic life, your bachelor degree, your master's degree, you're a very fresh PhD student. When I started my PhD, people were talking about these things, i was always been very Curious mind and mm. asking and looking for solution and answers myself but not a lot of students uh, actually understand or realize that this is wrong it's the way it's done they yeah. follow what their supervisors tell them to do and I have published behind paywall in my life <laughs> oh cut this off now don't <laughs> it's the truth I have yeah. I, I, I didn't that. know better yeah, I didn't so know I. better and uh, but that's why also I I was mentioning this Open Science MOOC that we are developing and uh, I really believe in this project because, you know, it has no strings attached. It's the community. It's a bunch of people who really want to do this. They want to, as we mentioned before, take control back in our hands and make sure that every student, every researcher, every scientist knows how to do responsible and open science, inclusive science.
2: You mentioned in the beginning that you love open science, and it seems like here at this conference there's a lot of different kind of definitions of open science going on, and I'm
1: really interested what yours is and why you love it. So mine, I'm, I'm not wearing any hat here, right? So this is really the definition of Paola. Um, open science, uh, I like open knowledge more than open science. You know, science is also a term that sometimes you don't really know what is science, how you science, and... Knowledge. Knowledge is one of the most precious things we have in the universe. And the more we acquire, we acquire knowledge, the more knowledge we have, the more hypotheses we can either prove or disprove, and we can build solutions to make sure we have a future. And I'm not talking about make sure we have a better future, to really make sure that there's still future. Maybe this doesn't really touch us now. It's going to touch people in, I don't know how many generations down the line, but it is, it is happening right? Yeah. With all the issues the, the world, the environment is facing, you can't lock knowledge. Knowledge needs to be open, it needs to be free. You need to be capable of using it to repurpose it, to modify it, to share it, to translate it. Every barrier you put in knowledge it's something it shouldn't done. It's something vile that it should, should. It's a crime to me it's a crime. And yeah, it's knowledge is precious. It's not a commercial God. It, it cannot be treated as one. As well.
0: I agree. I, 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 I picked up on one of the panelists in the, the thing we just attended, the lecture we just attended, who said that science, access to science is a human right. It is. And yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah. Um, it belongs to everyone. Um, and we can't, yeah, we can't afford to be Keeping things behind paywalls and keeping things for for commercial purposes, it's just,
2: um, I mean. It's absurd. It's It's absolutely absurd how you can even come up with the idea that that knowledge doesn't belong to everyone. Absolutely. It's
1: it's actually scary if you think about it. And that's why it enforces bias for power, power dynamics and, you know, colonialism agendas.
2: It is what it is. I have actually
1: another question.
2: Um, When was the first moment you got in contact with open science, or when did you start thinking about it?
1: Um, So I started thinking about it, I think, in 2014. Uh, I was a PhD student, uh, was publishing my papers, and actually my supervisor was kind of explaining me how the process works, Uh, you know, the peer review and everything, and uh, how much we had to pay for the APC, for the article processing charges, and that was a lot. Um, and that was with Elsevier. <laughs> um, and then in two thousand and fifteen, I don't know if you know OpenCon. Yes. Um, two thousand and fifteen uh, was lucky enough that OpenCon was in Belgium, in Brussels. So only half an hour by train uh, from Ghent, where I live. Mm-hmm. Um, I joined OpenCon, and I met so many inspiring people. Uh, and it really hit me like you know, I don't know what like. When you bump your head against a door, uh, and you are either drunk or hungover in the night or something, I really thought, "Man, this doesn't make any sense." So that was only four years ago, and OpenCon has really changed the way I look at knowledge and science and how we produce it, how we disseminate it, and also that the fact that there is way more than Europe. There is science that it's done everywhere. Huh? The global south, all these voices that you are not, mm-hmm. they're not hearing, and all these needs, all these. The representation of all these societies we are forgetting about.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I think closed science is inherently colonial, as you you picked up on. Um, I mean, for one thing, it excludes um, institutions in countries who can't afford, uh, you know, subscriptions. They can't access the research being done in the in Western Europe or in America or in the the, the, the richer countries. So how are they supposed to develop their research and innovation if they can't even build that you know New- newton says whatever i've done i you mm-hmm. know build on the shoulders of giants mm-hmm. they can't stand on those shoulders because yeah. they can't read the articles and it's i think it's i don't think it's set out to do that but it's structured in such
1: a way that it doesn't allow people to build
0: um from where they are
1: absolutely yeah this is again this cumulative advantage effect right the ones that have a lot keep growing and they grow faster and faster more money more resources more uh, reputation, whatever that means, at the ones who have very little struggle with whatever they have and, you know, they can never reach up. Yeah. So what would
2: you tell our listeners? What what can you recommend them for people who are thinking about open science, just starting to understand this idea and think
1: maybe it's a good idea? So if it's the first time you're hearing about open science, you have a lot to catch up on. (laughs) (laughs) No. um, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Open science is just science done right. It's science well done. It's nothing more than that. It requires a little bit more effort, but it pays off. It pays off for your career. It pays off for the reproducibility of your studies. It pays pays off in many, many ways. And uh, the other thing that I also want to point out is that if you're in a position where you have any systemic barrier at all and you cannot do open science, do the little bit that you can. It doesn't have to be all the way, all the time, because you, your safety, your mental health, everything else comes first. So if you're a PhD student and your supervisor doesn't want you to publish in the open access journal that you have chosen, and you do not have control over this, let go of it. Yeah. Feel safe. Yes,
0: absolutely. This is what we say in our workshops as well. Small steps, steps. do what you can. Everything counts. Everything counts, absolutely. Thank you so much. That was brilliant. It was my pleasure. Thanks. Okay, thank you.
2: That was a pretty amazing conversation.:
0: It was. I really enjoyed talking to her, and it's great to see such enthusiasm and forceful character um, directed towards open science.
2: Emma, have you ever had that feeling that you understand something and that you get it and you feel something about it, but then you talk to someone else and then all of a sudden, like, it just seems so much worse than you thought it was before?
0: <laughs> yes, I do not know what you mean. I mean, for me, what kept circling around in my head uh, was the absurdity.
2: That's, that's exactly the word I have. It's like, it's absurd. Yeah, like, I mean, intellectually, I understand that knowledge needs to be open for everybody and that it, you know, that's just part of being a human being is that we can use that knowledge and create solutions to the problems that we have and that it doesn't make sense to have it closed or to have it be a privilege anymore. And I knew that and I understood that. But now I feel like I'm also a little bit angry about it. And I was angry about it before, but something changed. I'm not sure what it is. And um, yeah, it it was... It was great talking to her.
0: Yeah, I I think people who are able to communicate their genuine felt anger often inspire it in other people. And I think anger can be good when it's directed towards making change.
2: Yeah. So I
0: guess, thank you, Paula, for that. Yes, thank you very much. So thank you for joining us once again, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, the music was produced and composed by Fabio de Miguel. The sound mixing was done by Paolo Oliveira, and the Orion Open Science Project is funded by the European Union. You can get in touch with us uh, on Twitter, OOSP underscore OrionPod. Uh, Please follow us, tweet us, message us. Also, you can email us directly at orion at mdc-berlin.de. We'd love to hear from you, uh, so feel free to contact us about your open science related thoughts.